0: artless I own
1: every single day I feel the
0: pressure double up the weight let's make it extra working so my mother get arrested yeah. working like I never know I'm best yeah
1: every single day I feel the pressure welcome back to that one studios what do you made up show here with your boy C rock I'm in the building today with another great guest Jessica patching Bunches in the building and she is a stress resilience coach on a mission to change the way we understand and approach mental health by providing practical approaches to understanding and managing stress. Struggling with stress-related illness most of her life, she took her background in neuropsychology and set it out to address real gap in accessible alternative mind care and wellness education. Listen, she is here to help you, and I like people that want to help other people. That's what we do. And by the way, thank you all for joining, whether you're watching or listening, however you're consuming this content. Really appreciate the support. And, uh, you know, we're here to just pour into you. And and I do these shows all the time. Almost, I don't know how many, close to 700 shows now, because of this obsession when I wake up in the morning to help people. And so please take note. Please take things from these shows and implement them in your life and and better your life. Jessica, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah. So we, uh, you know, start the show the same way pretty much every time. And I gave you a little bit of head start, but. What are you made of, Jessica?
0: I am, you know, I told you I I mold this question over, but what it came down to is I am made of adversity and resilience. The things that that, have created uh, me.
1: I was going to say that aligns with what you do pretty good. So that's what I was hoping for. Um, Yeah. So let's go, man. I want to hear your story. Everybody's got a story. Um, Where did this all start for you?
0: Oof. Um, (laughs) So it started, I think, My fascination with with human behavior, I think, has always been a thing. Uh, In my early 20s, I wanted to be a psychologist. I thought, you know, just understanding why people do what they do, what makes us do what we do, and why do we think that's okay? Um, And life kind of veered in different directions. I had a lot of uh, stress-related illnesses, like you mentioned, in my mid-20s and I kept going to doctors and I kind of got the same response, just like, oh, it's just stress. Just reduce your stress. And I thought, you know, I don't know what the hell that means. You're not giving me anything tangible to work with. And it was incredibly frustrating. At the time, I didn't understand that there was something I could do. I just thought, well, my life is stressful. This is just the way it is. Um, And then fast forward a little bit, I went to I completed my dr- my degree, <clears throat> excuse me, in in neuropsych and learned about what is actually happening in your nervous system, what is happening in your brain, and the fact that we do have more agency over ourselves and our nervous system state, the stress that we feel by how we interact with it and the relationship we build with it. And my stress came from a childhood filled with with trauma and abuse and not having an understanding that I was in control of anything in my life and not really learning that until I was a young adult. And I want to help people understand. I started my business because I want people to understand, one, I think the biological reasons that that we have the stress and anxiety and the feelings and thoughts that we do, because I think that takes the shame and guilt away from it. Like what is wrong with me? There's nothing wrong with you. This is just your body's natural response to what is happening in your environment. And to understand that you have a say in that there's something you can do. What you do impacts how you feel.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. And, and is it good to get rid of it? Or is it good to learn how to convert it?
0: I love that question. There is no way to get rid of stress. Stress Stress-free life does not exist. And it's not all bad. We actually need stress to learn and achieve and perform. It's just a thing that we have. It's your body's natural response to things. It's an evolutionary tool that has helped us survive. So we don't want to get rid of it. It's not possible to get rid of it. So then we have to learn how to build a better relationship with it. We have to learn how to navigate the feelings that we have because of it, the things that are causing it, our reaction to that. We just have to learn how to navigate better.
1: Yeah. Now, can you get into some specifics that you dealt with as a kid? Like what kind of things?
0: Um. So from the, my first memories of, of, my first memories as a child were of sexual abuse. Um, and then punishment because of that, I I witnessed sexual abuse um, to one of my siblings. And then as a punishment for seeing that, uh, my, the top of my finger was um, chopped off um, with a, somebody said, hey, put your finger in this bicycle sprocket. I swear I won't turn it. Um, I was two. So I, I said, okay, here's my finger. Um, so that was my first memory. There were lots of other physical, emotional, um, sexual abuse kind of riddled throughout my, my young, uh, I I don't often say childhood, my growing up time, um, because that's what it was.
1: And so how are, well, first of all, were, were these people held accountable
0: no, no, it wasn't something. I mean, it was like the early 80s. We didn't talk about that. It just mm-hmm. wasn't something within my family or, or, you know, in society that was even really acknowledged. And so no, it wasn't something that I was, the The, the people weren't held accountable. And I didn't have an outlet or, or discussions with my, with my caretakers about what that was or how to navigate it or that it wasn't my fault or you know it, just acknowledgement that it was an experience that I had and so growing up just kind of thinking that I was that I was fucked up I don't know I'm sorry I don't know if you No, you're good you're um, good um and thinking that just there were so many things wrong with me and in my early adult life I remember there was a <laughs> Uh, Someone I was dating, and he, we were just like in the get to know you phase, (laughs) like, oh, what are you about? And I remember just kind of listing off all of these different experiences I had had that I thought defined me. And that's where that adversity piece comes from. I thought that that's what I was. And I hadn't yet learned that while, of course, those experiences informed who I am today, that's not the entire story.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, as a kid, you don't even know that that's wrong. It, it, it's like, uh, you know, like if you kid, if, if a kid sits down and the parents sit them down in front of Tom and Jerry cartoon and they feed them mac and cheese while they're watching Tom and Jerry, it's a, it's just another thing that when you're a kid, you don't know, you, you don't know enough to know right from wrong with that. Right. So then it's part of, So I always trying to, I'm always trying to think about this and analyze like how that happens to a kid, one, and then how they navigate those thoughts. Because can you really feel guilty when you're two? You don't even know, because like some people feel guilty when they get abused or raped or whatever, right? And that's because they're older and they know something's not right and they feel like they may have allowed it, they put themselves in that position, something. But when you're a kid, you don't even know if it's right or wrong. So can there be guilt tied to it? Or as you get older, you start to hear about what sex is and then you look back and you're like, wait a minute, and it's kind of like a retroactive guilt or something. I don't know what I'm saying, but what are your thoughts?
0: <laughs> so my thoughts on that are, I was, there was never any confusion for me about what sex was. There's that introduction happened. That was just something I always knew. Um, and I knew that it was not okay. And for a long period of time, I was told that if I said no, I would be in trouble and if i told people i would be in trouble and so looking back now i imagine that's where a lot of the shame and and the guilt of like this is my fault uh where that came from
1: yeah and then how did you navigate that growing up like into teenage years and into your 20s and all that the dating and all that like how did you create uh more of like a healthy opportunity versus it always seeming like a chore probably, or I don't even know.
0: In, you know, in my adolescent years into my early adult life, there just wasn't, there wasn't any of that. I had such a low um, self value, self esteem. I just self worth. I, because those were my experiences and I didn't have anything to contrast that at the time. Mm -hmm. um, I had, you know, issues with, um, Self mutilation, cutting, um, different eating disorders. I was a very angry child. I was not very nice. Um, and just a lot of defenses. I wouldn't get close to people. Um, I was very angry. And it really wasn't until maybe the last decade that I started having a, a more positive relationship just with the world around me, with myself and understanding that I was not these things, that they helped shape me and make me who I am today, which I wouldn't change. Um, but yeah, I think that was more recent. I, I just didn't have, I didn't have an example of that. I didn't have any understanding of it, um, that, that there was something different.
1: Right. And what catalyzed that change? Like what was there a moment something happened or
0: um I think my husband currently is just the most incredible supportive patient human that ever existed. Yeah. Um and he has been a just a huge support um and advocate for me. I also I lost my brother to suicide. Um some years ago, and I think, I know that that was a a pivotal point. Um, I made him a promise to figure out how to be happy, live a good life, and and take care of myself in a real way, and I didn't really know what that meant. Um, But at that time, I quit smoking and I quit drinking, things I've been doing since I was 12, Um, and it kind of just went from there trying to figure out how do, how do I, how do I like myself? How do I care for myself in a real way? And what does that mean?
1: Yeah. And then you started building upon it. Right. And then you started yeah. seeing effects from it and then you're like, Oh man, I have something here. That yeah, kind of-
0: absolutely. And it definitely doesn't, it's, it took a long time. There's a lot of layers and I wouldn't, there's no end to this process. Yeah, I think as yeah. long as we are alive, that it's a process and it's different for everyone. Um, but I think that's, that's also a thing that people don't understand is that, you know, we want to make these changes and we want to, we want them to be big and sweeping and, and that's just not how it works. And so we have to have
1: patience, right? Yeah.
0: Patience. And, and, you know, we can only change so much at once before our nervous system is like, (laughs) no, I won't take any more right now. Um, and so it has to be little steps and, that's how we learn. I don't think we, you can't see the end of the road. You have to take those initial steps and learn more and introduce yourself to different ideas. And, um, and it is a process.
1: Yeah. And what, what, if anything keeps creeping up or still challenges you from the things you had to experience as a kid?
0: Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot that that I'm still still processing and and dealing with kind of, I wouldn't say on a regular basis anymore, but there are things that haunt me. Um, just kind of flashbacks. I, I don't know that I currently fit the, the PTSD diagnosis, but that is something that I've dealt with for a long time. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I've, uh, I don't think you know my story, but um, I, I grew up around a lot of brokenness and uh, and I wrote a book called "Rocket Fuel: Convert Setbacks Become Unstoppable." Mm. And so, in that book, I talked about a lot of things. But sometimes I have dreams that I go back, right? And I, and I, I, um, like I go back, and I, don't, I feel like I'm still like I'm still a big guy now, and like, but I'm back there again. But I'm not a kid. But I'm still dealing with the same fear and the same things that went. And the funny thing is, is like, if I see one of the people that I was abused by, right? To this day, if I run into them somewhere or whatever, and that person is like almost seventy now, it's still scary. And but but yet I'm like a I'm a big strong forty some year old dude, right? Like they can't do anything, but I still get this feeling like sometimes, you know. So I can I can kind of relate to that, you know, the flashback kind of thing or the, you know. But anyway, um, I appreciate you being so vulnerable and transparent. I think this helps a lot of people because a lot of people go through these things, and if they're listening, and they're like, man, I'm not alone, you know. So from there, you 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 know how did you get into coaching? Were you in other professions first or where did you decide to start helping other people?
0: Yeah. First, I, I just want to say like, that is what, what shifted me towards what I do now is because so I thought I was alone. I thought I was kind of a freak that nobody would ever understand me that nobody could understand. And although we all have specifics that are, are for our story, we share so many commonalities just in being human and the types of things types of experiences that we have. And I think that that is a huge part of addressing uh, a lot of mental health is understanding that you're not alone, understanding that it's not a you issue, that it's a human issue. Um, and so I think that's really important. Um, I think a lot of people can identify and if they're if you can't identify, you're learning something about other people's experiences yeah Yeah. um so i was um out of my undergrad i wanted to get into neuroscience research i stumbled on some neuroscience classes i never thought i was good at science and then i you know i thought i just fell in love like it makes sense it answers so many questions i have and i just like dove in and i just learned everything that i could took all the classes i could and then wanted to get into a lab i did And I was doing some research on, um, a national consortium study. It was great experience. And I also learned that I had this idea that like neuroscience was this, like there were facts that it was kind of the, the thing that would help us all understand. Yeah. 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 And it's, um, it's just people trying to learn things and people are biased and people have judgments and people are imperfect and, that translates into the science and there are a lot of kind of old antiquated measures that we use that aren't really appropriate anymore and and what is published by who is determined by who wants to publish things and what their interest is and so I just saw all of these things in in research that um changed my perspective on it and I saw through um I had a really great opportunity to present at the Society for Neuroscience and have we had like an ice cream social with the um, House of Representative Neuroscience Caucus up on the Hill in D.C. And I was just seeing all of this information being passed back and forth between the same kind of people within academia. And I thought this information is so useful that people need to know outside of just this really small circle and maybe not the super nerdy sciencey bits, but just these ideas that how you feel and your, you know, mindset and, and your physical symptoms from, from stress, all these things, again, you can do something about it and what you do affects all of that. Um, mm-hmm. So just that we have more agency than so many people understand or or think that they do.
1: Yeah. And so in your studies and, you know, your experience and everything, have you seen, like, are you, are you uh, a spiritual person? I am. Yeah. So like, have you seen how they're connected? Like your spirit and your mind and your brain? Like, have you like everybody, obviously, this is one of those things. Like everybody's got a different opinion of it, different experience of it. But like, how do you interpret that, the connection between all that?
0: It is a question. I don't know that I have... A solid idea. Like, I don't know how that works, but we are all made of molecular energy. And I feel like that is, um, has a lot to do with my take on spirituality and how we interact with ourselves and each other. changes, how that energy communicates and interacts with itself, which changes everything about, about us and how we interact with ourselves and other people. So it's just this cycle and the spirituality piece. I have so many more questions than I have any kind of answers. Um, But it's definitely a factor. And I don't believe that it is separate from science. If we look at practices that people kind of disregard and think about like, Oh, these are woo woo practices or something, meditation, visualization, sound baths, any of that those are practices that are thousands of years old Mm -hmm. and their efficacy has been proven for thousands of years. And because they are outside of the Western lens of science, they've been disregarded. And I love that we have the technology now to, to look at some of those things with brain imaging, looking at functional activity and saying like, Oh, okay, this is true. Like we, we understand it in a different way now. And that's amazing. Um, But so so many of those things are based in spirituality. Yeah. And so I see the connections. I have so many, again, so many more questions than I have any kind of uh, answers for myself.
1: (laughs) Well, I got to tell you, I've been studying quantum physics and quantum Mm -hmm. resonance and it's starting to connect the science and spirit spirituality side of things so much with you're talking about energy and frequencies and, and uh, the other thing I noticed, you're talking about the Western, you know, it seems like things have taken over economically because of the, the, you know, pharmaceutical companies, psychiatric companies, and they see the fact that this ancient philosophies they work, especially with like a lot of illness caused by stress and disease, disease, right? Yeah. And they're like, well, if we let that go and we promote that, which is not taking drugs, mm-hmm. then it's going to hurt our pockets. Yeah. So have you seen that from, you know, being in your experience with all the stuff that you're studying and, and just being around it? Have you, have you seen like a, like in academia, even an evil that is, uh, you know, percolating through it where like, not everything's getting told the way it should be.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Just what I was talking about with, you know, what is published and, and why has a lot to do with the funding and where that funding comes from even you know i work uh, attached to to a hospital and mds are not not trained to find what is wrong they're trained to prescribe and manage symptoms and that's just how our our system works i was going to say healthcare but it's not it's, it's right It's symptom management, um, not even prevention. And so, so yeah, I see. And, you know, I was doing a study with, with children and adolescents and seeing just how, how many of those little, little fellows were just medicated, highly medicated, um, was really sad to see. I do say with the work that I'm doing now in imaging research, I see a lot of Pharmaceutical trials, um, which can be beneficial. There are some, uh, studies that have come out of, of the institution that I'm at with yogic breathing and some Mm -hmm. other things that are, I think, fantastic. Um, that researcher, they kind of told, told that person that this is going to kill your career. Um, and Damn. so those things still are really, they're not, they're not a favorite because they're not something that's already been looked at something that's popular to publish something that's um, easy to fund. So yeah, it definitely is pervasive. The, the focus and um, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but the focus on, on, on making money. Yeah. That we have the importance that we place on that above.
1: Priority. Yeah. Human,
0: Humans. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And how do you, how do you think
1: we overcome that? Like those of us that really are for the. the Good and not necessarily concerned with the money part of it, like really helping humanity. Right. Like what do we do to overcome the, those in power and those that have so much money.
0: That's the question, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, because. I mean, money's a real thing it's expensive to live. And in the, in the culture we have in the systems that we're working within, the more money you have, the more power you have. But I think it just takes, I am encouraged by the amount of people that I know within my network and then meeting people like you with this whole other network of people trying to do the good, the good work of helping humans outside of that kind of profit first idea. So I think just baby steps just keep going. We have to Yeah. We have to just keep going.
1: Yeah, and so how do you help people now as far as like offerings? You work one-on-one? Like what what do you offer people and how can people get involved with you?
0: Yeah, I do um I do a lot of like presentations for other practitioners um and other coaches and things just to help provide the the kind of nervous system perspective on on stress and what that means from a scientific uh, perspective. I also work with folks one-on-one working on nervous system regulation a lot through um, breath is my anchor um, kind of modality because it is such an incredible tool that communicates both with our our subconscious, and we can control it consciously, and so it is one of the best tools that we have.
1: To so, 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 breath work, like breathing, like, like Gary yeah. Brecka. You know Gary Brecka. Have you heard of Gary Brecka? Talks about thirty three rounds mm-hmm. of thirty deep breaths. Like, is it that kind of thing? Like, we're really getting more oxygen in. Mm-hmm. Like, really obnoxious breathing.
0: Yeah. So I'm not familiar. Um, or Wim Hof. Have you heard of Wim Hof? There, like, yeah. Wim Hof is great. Um, his is a lot more performance-based. And that's the thing with breathing. There are so many different techniques that do lots of different things. You can change your state in so many different ways with how you breathe. I think there's also a lot of poor information out there. Like the bigger you breathe is not is not better. Um, if we're looking for delivery of oxygen, we actually want to decrease the amount that we're breathing and uh, take it low and slow because that allows for that gas exchange to happen um, oxygen is better delivered to to your body and to your brain um, so I work a lot with functional breathing to help that that kind of baseline we have these intervention techniques the breathing you know out longer the exhale longer than the inhale that's a very calming technique we have the physiological sigh very similar to that um, so many different techniques for immediate kind of stress and anxiety relief. But if we're not in a a state of, I want to say balance, but I don't think that, a state of balancing, um, as a baseline, our system is still doing whatever it's doing under stress, it's revved up. And then we're trying to just kind of pour some water on the fire when we feel like we are just at the point where we need it as opposed to preventative daily maintenance care um so that's what i work with people a lot on some somatic movements um my thing is kind of brain body breath working with mindset and because our thoughts have physiological um, yes, they do. cascade of physiological reactions in the body it's not just no big deal. And at the same time, you can't tell yourself to calm down and have that work because your nervous system doesn't understand what that means. (laughs) So we have to work with our mind, our body, our breath. Um, So that's how I work with people.
1: And where can people find um, like more about breath work? Do you like, is it on your website or where, where can they, I know you said something about your Instagram, like jpb.brainbodyresilience, guys, go check that out on Instagram. But like it like the breathwork part, where can they find more about that?
0: Yeah, I have some of that on my Instagram, but I think um, working one on one is the the best way to access that with with my help, because I have to. It's there isn't kind of a one one thing.
1: Oh, okay. So one size fits all. Okay. Because yeah, yeah.
0: once there's a, I have to get an idea of what what where is your baseline at? What is your level of breathing on on a regular basis before we can provide an intervention that, that works for you. And that's what, there's so many different techniques, but if it's not something that works for you, it's not going to work.
1: Right. Right. I gotcha. Okay, cool. So, and then you also to wrap this up here, I have a question about your nose ring, but I'll, I'll I'll do that. I'll do the podcast (laughs) first. And I'm going to ask you about the nose ring Uh, podcasting. You have a podcast. Uh, What's the name of it?
0: Uh, Brain body resilience. I like to keep it. Keep gotcha.
1: It I see it now. I was on the website, but I was like, well, "That's the title of that particular episode." Okay, brain body resilience. Guys, go check this out. Is it you by yourself, or do you have guests, or how does that work?
0: I I do have guests. Uh, it's usually solo episodes. I do like a guest once a month. Um, so there, there's a little bit of both.
1: And and what's the point of having a podcast? Like, what what did you get out of it since you've had it?
0: It started just as a way for me to kind of flesh out my ideas and and better articulate my thoughts around these things. And then I was able to talk to really cool people and share those people and, and their help with my audience. Um, and now I just really like it. So, so I'll just keep doing it until, until that changes.
1: Awesome. I love it. Well, you know, I'm a big podcaster. I love podcasts and I, I see the, such the, you know, the benefit to it not just having your own show, but going on shows. It's just powerful and the networking connection, all that. So all of you out there listening, if you have a business, you're an entrepreneur, you better get your butt on podcasts. I'm telling you you're missing out if you don't. Uh, All right. So the nose ring, first of all, did it hurt?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: Okay. And then what, what did you think about when you were getting it? Like, why did you get it?
0: I have, I have wanted a septum piercing since, I don't know, the early nineties and I never did. And I'm really glad I didn't get all the piercings I wanted. Um, but, it's like tattoos. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just decided a couple of years ago that it's something that I still was interested in. I've wanted it for a few decades, and I decided I was gonna just. It's time to do whatever the fuck I want. So I did.
1: Yeah. And and when you um, when you like take it out, if you ever take it out, like, does do you look different? It's like if I shave my mustache or beard, I like oh, I don't like the way it looks. because I'm not used to it you have this thing now where you're so used to it now that if you took it off, it would be weird.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is a little bit strange because it's, it's just part of my face now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought I'd ask, I hope you don't mind.
1: I like asking no, no, about not things at all. like that. Cause that's, you know, I can't, I could never do that. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to, that would hurt. Um, uh, anyway. So yeah, this is, uh, this has been awesome, Jessica. I appreciate your time here today. Thank you for joining us. And if there's anything we can ever do for you, man, just ask, like we're friends now that you're on my show. So.
0: All right, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. All right, cool. Thank you. Hang hang
1: tight as I wrap this up. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate the support. Keep coming back. Make sure you like and subscribe and and all the jazz that you're supposed to do. But tell people about this show because this show is impacting lives and I want to continue to do that. I need your help. I can't do it by myself. It's your boy C-Rock signing off from That One
0: Studio on the What Are You Made Of Show. Until next time, be that one.